With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello, all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Inside Job, bonus content for subscribers to the Crime Scene feed. You can subscribe at robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed to get your true crime on Tuesdays, as well as bonus content like this. Inside Job brings you conversations with people who know crime, the law and justice from the inside. If you have a story to tell, message us on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's S-E-E-N, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail.com. This week on Inside Job, The Criminal. Hello, John. Welcome to the podcast. It's, I can't say I'm glad to be here because I was hesitant in the first place, as you and I discussed. Um, I thought I had got over being a criminal. Uh, but obviously not because um, this last um, Monday, which was, uh, sorry, yesterday, what was yesterday? Yesterday was the 6th, the 6th, and it was a Wednesday. So I had to visit two police stations yesterday, and it was in regard to asking what documentation, where did I need to, how, who did I need to give it to to say that we had the right to stand outside of state parliament and stand outside of Tanya Plevisic's office and not be arrested? So yesterday I was all right at Redfern Police Station, but then I went down to the police station at Day Street and I got triggered. And I've only learnt what that meant to be triggered. So sitting there waiting to give the piece of paper in and ask what other paperwork they needed, 
the number of police that walked in that looked like they were about to go off to Afghanistan or Syria or whatever to do battle because full body armour, guns, tasers, that's how they were dressed as they would walk in. And because obviously that is the central police station of Sydney Central, a lot of them were there and I got triggered. I sort of, as I said, didn't know what that word meant until recently. And I said to the friend that I was with, I think I'm going to have to go outside. I'm not coping with this. And it just brought back memories of being in police stations reporting that we as a group had just been bashed or we'd been harassed. Uh, one time I was with my cousin who um, ended up being a lesbian. I didn't know she was a lesbian. Uh, and um, we were coming out of a nightclub there on Oxford Street. And next thing, her car was being bashed on the doors, kicking the doors in. And next thing, we were being attacked. And it was more or less two doors away from the local cop shop. So we walked in there after the event and we were treated as we were the ones that probably started the altercation of what had actually happened. So um, it brought back memories of that, brought back many times that um, you know, one has been treated as the criminal because being a homosexual for all of my life and not understanding that my sexuality would make me a criminal until at the age of probably 17 or 18 when I went to work and had friends around me that had been arrested and were going through the courts and were given jail terms. Then I realised that I was, I wouldn't call myself a criminal because I didn't understand that term at that point of time, but I understood that the law did not tolerate me as a person. Um, also, looking back, I mean, I was just pulling up some things for you. Only recently I, I discovered that at Kuma there was a jail. In the 1957 it was set up for the purpose of incarcerating homosexuals. That's what it was set up for. Um, I've just been reading a little bit about Michael Kirby that he was talking about, and it just brought back memories because it says that when he was growing up in Sydney, uh, in the late 1960s, he was at going to places like Shea Ivy, which was on Cleveland Street, which was a drag queen. I knew that person quite well. Um, Petersham Dance that used to be held back in the 60s, the Rex Hotel. And why I'm mentioning these places like the Rex Hotel, the Hotel Australia that used to be there, it's been pulled down. There were gay bars there. Because it was in the 1960s, there was six o'clock closing. So what would happen is going to the Rex Hotel, going to the Australia Hotel and going to, I think it's called the Carlton, which we used to call it the Snake Pit, there would be cops outside with cameras. Obviously nobody had smartphones in those days so they would film us leaving and then they obviously no video so they would have cameras filming us either going in 
people coming out of these buildings. And as I said, sitting there in a cop shop yesterday, putting in the forms to be saying, I am a climate activist. I wish to stand there peacefully now that the fine has gone from $400 to $22,000 or two years jail for standing there somewhere that they consider is illegal, that I then can go to jail for two, two years, up to two years, or be fine. Uh, it it's, brings back a lot of memories to go like, well, at, you know, the Mardi Gras. I think without the Mardi Gras, that we as homosexuals would still be harassed and still be thrown in jail, penalised, lose our jobs, whatever. So thank God for the 78ers. And I've spoken to you about our Tell our US uh, listeners who the 78ers are. They're they're a very important group. Yeah, yeah. But the 78ers were the group that decided they would have, and they were looking for a word. And I know the word in America is pride. That's pride month. But in Australia, they were looking for a way to go like, well, there's all these big actions taking place in New York, especially after Stonewall. What would we call it? And this person was with a lady, and this lady said, this woman said, why not call it Mardi Gras? Let's have a Mardi Gras. So there was a meeting at the Paddington Town Hall, which is quite close, is is on Oxford Street, the gay capital of Australia. At 2 o'clock on that Saturday, there was a public meeting in a town hall. How to get out of the bars onto the streets. I went to that meeting and came out, and then unfortunately I went to the bars. I went to the pubs. So I missed out on the Mardi Gras itself, but where we were drinking, which was a closed club called Martins, and you have to be a member, we heard the kerfuffle, meaning the noise and the screams and the yells, because it was only a matter of about two-minute walk from that bar across to the jail where the people were being arrested. So the Mardi Gras started. Sorry, I've jumped ahead. The Mardi Gras started, and these people were marching, and the cops said, no, this you will go not that way, you will go this way. They said, no, we want to go that way. So then the cops got their fists, got their batons, got their whatever, and then just attacked this group of people that were marching. So that's the noise that we heard as they were being dragged into the jail. So we ended up outside the jail that night. and. Uh, very reminiscent if you have American listeners, as you talked about. Um, they have seen the history and have seen film or seen photographs of what actually happened at Stonewall. So that was our Stonewall. And without the 78ers, and I still get emotional now, without the 78ers, we would not have any rights. We'd still be, no, it'd still be a bit of shit. Lock it up. It has to has to be got rid of from society, not to be tolerated. Yeah. Yeah, John. And in fact, uh, New South Wales, the state that we both live in, was yeah. the first state in Australia to decriminalise homosexuality, I yeah. think, and that was not until 1984. So yeah. 
six years after that first uh, Mardi Gras political march. And I'm a bit younger than you, but uh, I remember even in the early 80s that march was still quite political and I find it shocking that uh, some of the floats these Uh, days, (laughs) I don't know about you. Corporate. Corporate Corporate floats. Yeah, including including yeah. police uh, yeah, police yeah. floats, but that yeah. that's that's a chat for another day. Yeah. So, well, I'm still uh, sorry, to digress. I'm, I'm no digress because I'm part of an organisation called Extinction Rebellion, and only this morning I've got messages from what they call Rainbow Rebellion, and they're talking about it, and they're the people that say the police should not be there, the army should not be there, the navy should not be there, any military or police should not actually be participating in, in the march. Yes. In the, in the Mardi Gras. Sorry. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, it must be said that obviously there are um, LGBTQIA plus members of all those uh, forces. Oh, organisations. Yeah. But uh, as an organisation and then yeah. the corporate yeah. floats yeah. Uh, themselves. Well, in, in the police station yesterday in, in Day Street, the central one, they were more or less, they had a poster and it said, you know, we're more or less LBTQ, XYZ friendly. And so that was on the wall. Um, she wasn't very friendly to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't even know I was a profter. But because <laughs> I'm there talking about climate and she's, you know, going like, uh, I yes. feel like saying, excuse me, your poster says you're friendly and I'm one of them that you're friendly with. <laughs> yes. Sorry. That's what my mother used to call homosexuals. One of them, she used to say to me. One of them. Are they one of them? I thought, mother, we're all those. Uh, So you you did uh, tell me that uh, yes, this this trigger from yesterday is very distressing. But you told me that uh, on a march just this weekend, or a protest just this weekend, that a police uh, officer was photographing you. Yeah. And that was the moment that you thought, yes, I actually will talk uh, yeah. because yeah. I've been photographed uh, yeah. all my life. Yeah. Uh, and what was it for you in that decriminalisation? Did you feel that you were beginning to get some rights or did it feel like a lip service? Um, 1984, um, once again, with, with, with Parliament, you tend to think it's a law and as what's going on in America at the moment with the high court, laws can change. So you felt like, okay, this is a law that's been put in. Uh, I think it took back, it took until the nineties before they actually apologized. So they changed the law, but absolutely not as saying, sorry about that. Sorry about bashing your skull in. So that was the nineties. So you felt there was a bit of progress, uh, but. It was a hard slog because after the the bashings there on Oxford Street, there was the marches. There was um, the blood, sweat and tears of doing interviews and, um, how should I say, newspapers printing names and addresses such as myself and my boyfriend who had, as I said to you, had acid thrown over his car because the, the newspaper had printed his address. Um, so you thought, well, yeah, it's just enough. And you thought, well, no, it's not enough. And even today, you feel that things can easily roll back as what we see in America. Things can easily just turn. And that's where with Indigenous rights in Australia, 
you go like it has to be in the constitution. It has to be written in. It just cannot be a law that one week you've got somebody from one party saying, fine, everything's, you know, you're not a criminal. Next week they're thrown out of office and you've got a new lot in saying, no, 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 no. We need to protect the churches. We need to protect this other group. And that's what's been going on recently in Australia, as you know, where we had a prime minister who was a person that used to almost do a Nazi salute in church, reaching for God. Um, and you had two state members of parliament here in New South Wales saying, you know, that we were still vermin and we needed to be got rid of and um, the laws needed to be swung back in their favour to protect them from us. So I still see them because I still go to state parliament you know, at this time talking about climate, uh, and I see these people. And unfortunately, I swore at one the other day, which I thought, John, I've gone too far. John. I don't, I don't want to be asked not to come back. <laughs> 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 but this man was, uh, I mean, it goes back to the Mardi Gras days, that uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and American listeners would know what that group was, the older ones would know Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, that I was marching with them. I wasn't uh, part of them at that stage. Uh, and I was the one that got hit by a beer bottle on the head and they decided to make me an archbishop. And I said, no, I didn't want to be an archbishop. I want to be a cardinal because they have a better drag. So that weekend I was taken into their fold and made a cardinal of the Sisters Perpetual Indulgence. But that man whose head they were carrying on a platter, and that's what the beer bottle was aimed at, um, is still there in state parliament and still talking about you know, religion and they need to be protected from us. Yes. He does pray for rain every Mardi Gras. <laughs> he, and, does. he does. And it never rains. So No, wrong time. He's been praying lately, obviously, in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody watching America from America, we're we're fucked. Sorry. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the 80s, when AIDS and HIV struck us, they were talking about, and I'll just read it, in the early 1980s, as the AIDS epidemic became clear, there was a campaign to actually lock up homosexuals in Australia, to lock us up so we would not infect the general public. And I don't know whether that actually happened anywhere else in the world, but there certainly was a quite a very strong campaign from politicians that we should be isolated. And that's another one that you know triggers me because people come to this country as immigrants to run away from whatever, uh, whether it's a war, whether it's no food, whatever, and they come here and we lock them up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> it's all right. You can be. You can be not okay. Like this yeah, stuff is not no, okay. No. Um, I mean, I was in my twenties um, during the during the eighties, and mm. I always just think, you know, all those lovely boys. It wasn't just the boys, but it was a lot uh, of the boys and a lot of our friends. And I always think it's such a small thing, and but yet such a, such a strong image for me was people here in the eastern suburbs, which contains the Golden Mile, which is the centre of gay life in Australia, would go to restaurants with their own knives and forks. And that that idea of isolate, lock up, put all together away from, you know, good society uh, is not solely uh, the the domain of queer people, but... Yeah. Certainly has been the experience. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's it's not alarmist to say that these that, that laws can roll back. Yeah. Because the the attacks on marginalized people, LGBTQIA plus yeah. among them, uh, has never stopped. And the rhetoric has never stopped. And elected parliamentarians speak with parliamentary privilege in the most uh, disgusting and repellent ways. And despite the fact that we have felt some hope in our recent elections, that feeling that the advances can be taken away is a a terrible feeling. to go back, but I mean, there was another organization. I came back from overseas and there was a group that just started called CAMP. And CAMP stood for Campaign Against Moral Persecution. And there was a great debate within that group. And there was a lot of great, great people that are heroes to me. That the debate was do we do it peacefully? Do we do it radically? meaning take to the streets, march. I was in that camp, you know, just do it, just get out there. Uh, But there was a lot of interviews that were given. I gave one to a 
a friend that she lived downstairs and she used to write a, I hate to say this, she used to write a thing for the Mirror newspaper, which is a Murdoch newspaper. And if you live in America, you know Mr. Murdoch through Fox. Uh, anyway, so she um, said, I'd like to interview you. I know you're in a relationship. And my partner at the time said, no, he didn't want to do it. I said, I did want to do it. So the people that were more or less spearheading this group called Campaign Against, they spent a lot of time on TV, well, as much as they were allowed to, uh, being interviewed on TV, being interviewed in the press, and putting forward how they wish to actually be treated equally to everybody else. Uh, it disintegrated, like all organisations, because of the infighting uh, within the group. So, Just locate us in time, John. When, when was that? That was 1971 that started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably lasted about three years. Uh, a lot of people that, well, mainly the people that started it end up leaving uh, and went on to other organisations. Uh, that were part government and part community. So AIDS New South Wales, um, the person who was one of the, shall we say, leaders of camping ended up running that. I was then working for a, a department store in Sydney that wanted to very much aware of what was going on with the AIDS, HIV. Um, so we were doing things in conjunction with the AIDS Council of New South Wales. And because I knew these people from, well, there was a group of them, uh, from Camp Inc., I was the one that was sent down there. And also I was production manager for this particular company. So uh, at one stage we put up a marquee. We closed off a, uh, a whole block in Sydney and put up a marquee and did a food and wine festival to raise money for AIDS Council Australia and New South Wales. And then we realised we should give a, the, the money straight out. It was costing us more <laughs> to raise money <laughs> to get the money. So we figured let's just give a donation of, you know, a quarter of a million dollars versus <laughs> put up a wonderful tent and have a wonderful time with, you know, 80 winemakers and 80 restaurant tours you go like no 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 let's just get the money (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes exactly so that's what campaign was and then uh new south wales um uh, library just did a thing on on the early um the mardi gras and camping and other organizations but once again like any organization it kind of disintegrates after a while well, it's like the group that I, I, I now am active in called Extinction Rebellion. And once again, there are people feel that going onto the streets is not the way to actually do it. Um, and that's where now um, I could be treated as a criminal because there's a thing called Blockade Australia. And so that mainly is stopping coal trains from actually leaving where they pick up the coal to take it to the port to put it on a ship. And then they actually block the ports from actually loading the ships. So last two weeks ago on Monday, um, we took to the streets to blockade the traffic to get 
general awareness to say this is what's happening. Uh, and unfortunately, the laws had changed within New South Wales. So as I say now, it's a $22,000 fine. So I'm just going to turn that off. Uh, a $22,000 fine, two years in jail. And uh, people that I know have been arrested. Uh, and uh, there's a father that's coming down from, uh, sorry, coming up from Victoria. And we were putting in the, that's why I was doing it in the, the cop shop yesterday. We were putting in the paperwork so he could actually stand outside of state parliament and talk about his son. And his son has been in jail now for almost three months and faces two years. Yeah. So was there a thought that when the fine was several hundred dollars yeah. uh, that you'd roll the dice and if if arrested, you know, pay the fine? And now well, it yeah, is yeah, serious yeah. jail time and very yeah. serious money. Yeah, yeah. Well, leaping from $400 a fine to two, you know, to 20, uh, 22000 uh, is a leap. But um, I'm not wealthy. So I haven't got $22,000 sitting in the bank. They're like, here you go. You know, The good thing is that most, and I've been into a couple of court cases, that most of the judges or the magistrates are quite lenient. And it's only the politicians that wish to make that statement about cracking down on us. So, yeah, I'm not too keen. I was, you know, to go back to what you were talking about earlier, uh, being triggered when we were marching, when we were walking on the streets, um, this policewoman came up, waved the phone in front of me. You know, I'm filming you. I'm filming you. Get off the road now. Go to the footpath, but in a much more unfriendly way than what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes, I said quietly, I understand. But because they were using face recognition, all that, that group, so I was probably with about five or six people that were close to me, and that went like that, 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 and then sort of like that. So it ended up the next day they went back, and I thought, well, this is a red rat, red rag to a bull. Why go back and poke the bear again? I think we've made our point. We got the TV coverage. We got the general public looking at what was going on. Uh, and that's when I think it's now up to about 24 people have been arrested. But on the Monday, we ended up, because there's a very large police station in Sydney, uh, a suburb called Surrey Hills, it looks like if a nuclear bomb hit it, it wouldn't even it didn't bounce off it. This thing is a concrete bunker, three stories tall, a whole block of this concrete building. Yes, and the grass patch in front of it is called Harmony Park. Well, <laughs> on Harmony Park, last time I was on Harmony Park, we were standing there. This policeman walked up, and I won't use the aggression on the voice, but he said, I have my body camera on. You will move from here and you will go to the other side of the footpath. And because the group that I'm with are drummers and they were drumming, so they were told, shut up, 
no drumming, just go and stand on the other side of the footpath. We were there because two of our friends, colleagues had been arrested. This was probably around about two years ago. So it was only a $400 fine. So that was two years ago. So this Monday when they were arrested, we ended up back Harmony Park, did you call it? I did. We ended up back well, on I, Harmony Park. Well, I didn't call it Harmony Park. It, it has Who been calls called it that. Park? That's what it's called officially. Well, we were standing on Harmony Park and I said to, because we had been somewhere else demonstrating and so when we got there, uh, we said, how come you haven't been pushed onto the, the other side of the road? And they said, no, we're, we're here. So they had a couple of lawyers with them uh, and they were waiting for, and this is when that young lady who had chained herself to a steering wheel there's an entrance onto the, the tunnel kind of thing that takes you underneath the harbour, and that's where these big fines come in, going like you shouldn't block any major road. So she had chained herself to that. So she was inside. About four other people were inside, and we were there um, waiting for them to come out. But there was a lot of support. People had organised cars, people had organised food, people had done, you know, the community had come together waiting for these to come out. When the young lady did come out and she was one of the first to be released, she took off at 100 miles an hour. She wasn't running, but she just walked quite quickly because at this stage the press had arrived. So it was about six, eight cameramen with the big cameras on their shoulders. So when she went off at 100 miles an hour walking, not running, uh, and next thing the press were after her, I lost it. So I start to scream at them and walk quickly towards them. Anyway, they came back because they lost her. So then I walked up to the cameras and the cameras were like there in my face and was yelling at them that they were a pack of whatever, blah, 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 blah. So I wonder somebody didn't arrest me for foul language. And you just go like, once again, this was another trigger to go like, do I get another camera in my face? Do I get this? And you go like, you're not interested in the true story. You're not interested in what is happening to the planet. Sydney has had enough rain for probably two years in what a week. Up north, which is not very far, called the Hawkesbury River, about four times in 18 months. Floods. Hundreds of homes, hundreds of homes are underwater. Communities, that means shops, restaurants, you name it, all underwater, four times in 18 months. And you go like, well, whoever's denial, in denial about climate at this point of time in Australia, this is not normal. This is not normal. So, John, what's your call to action for everybody that's listening? I'll start off with what's happening at the High Court in America. I mean, I, I just because that just brings back a guy like who's safe, who, who has rights that are equal to everybody else's rights. For your American listeners, I am so those people, how, sitting there as judges in their black robes, and I've seen enough of them sitting there, they're sitting there, you know, these people that hold high and mighty positions and do that, say, you know, no. Nah, a woman's body is not her body. 
a woman's body is my body and I'm a man or a woman that can make that decision for that person. So there's that. Then there is you look at what is the next rollback. Gay rights is the next rollback. Um, equal rights for whatever colour your skin is. Equal rights for tra- <laughs> just I, I look at that and I think, well, if we had more politicians like the two that are sitting in New South Wales and if Morrison, who was our ex-Prime Minister, was still in government, what he would do as revenge, what kind of revenge he would have inflicted upon us as as people. Because this is a man that walked into our parliament carrying a block of coal and said, nothing to fear here, nothing to fear here. Don't be frightened. It's only a block of coal. And that's where this group of people were. So when this thing was happening with, and we haven't spoken about that, when people were having their sexuality voted on in Australia, we had a plebiscite. So should we be allowed to marry? Should we be allowed to marry? Can I marry another man? Can another woman marry another woman? And so they decided, let's have a vote. And they had the vote. And the cameras were there in our parliament. And what happened was maybe 200 people who voted as politicians also voted to one side and about four or five went to the other side. And most of those politicians were still there as until the government just changed a couple of weeks ago. We're still there pushing on, banging on about, no, 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 you may have won the plebiscite, you may have got equal rights, but I'm here to take them back. I'm here to go, not worth anything. It's only a piece of paper. We can rip that up, throw it away. So there's just so much to be out there, bang it, you know, because I'm part of this drum rebellion. I call it banging on about. There's so much to be banging on about uh, that, uh, yeah, not going to give up, not going to go silent, not going to go, no, just, no. If I may quote another old Australian politician, maintain the rage. Exactly. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So when that stuff happens, and like what's just happened with you in America with your high court, a group of people, five people I think it was, makes that decision. And you know, this affects millions and millions and millions. No. No. So what's to be done? You know, all I can say is that that's what's to be done. <laughs> yes. No? John, John's raising his hand <laughs> in, a in, a fist, fist. in a closed fist of anti-popular. No. Mm-hmm. I, I was taught about, and Americans I know go like, they hear this word and go, like, oh, communist. But I was taught about socialism at, at an early age. And socialism is, if, if you look at the Scandinavian countries, 
That's what socialism is. It's not communism. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not Mr. Putin, let's invade Ukraine. I mean, that's another thing that, um, you know, I, I've joined in uh, a, a few of the rallies for, you know, the Ukrainian people that have come to Australia are on the streets and you go like, well, for God's sake. Yeah. So, so maintain, the, maintain, maintain the, rage. the rage. Maintain the rage. Let your voice be heard. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a senior people... citizen. I'm in mm-hmm. my mid seventies, and you go like, I'm not going anywhere. And people go like, Well, you know, why? Why do this? And you go like, Well, I know my time's coming to an end, and so is the bloody planet. And without effing doing something, it's that's yeah, and the same as with our rights. So we need to raise our voices, we need to raise our fists, we need to be counted. And you had actually some practical advice. Well, in in Australia, to write to your local MP, uh, people, when we stand outside, we stand outside every Tuesday, we call it Tuesdays at Tanya. Tanya Plebistic is our Minister for Environment. She is in the federal government. I quite like her. I think she's doing a reasonable job, but people go like, well, why are you standing here having a go at her? And I said, well, not having a go at her, but we want to hold her to account, that to make sure that she doesn't wander off down a fork road and go somewhere else, that you want to hold these people and say, look, we're watching. We are here watching. You do this, you know. It's going to be more than every Tuesday that we're outside your bloody front door. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be every day. So hold and them it, to account, and I think um, yeah. people in the US can do that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Find out who your representatives are, and, and it's also a matter of getting involved at the local level yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, we have this father coming down, as a, well, coming up, as I said, and we had to put in the paperwork for him, and we want to put our arms around him to say, you know, your son has been there. Now, for you know, ridiculous, should have been out on on, on bail, uh, and just being that community, I think it's a very powerful thing when I look at the American communities coming together and saying, "No, nah, we're not putting up with it. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough." Yeah. John, thank you so much for talking uh, with me today and yeah. letting your story be told. And I believe this can be edited, so we're wandering all over the bloody place. Uh, <laughs> John, you had such a selection of 77 years' worth of uh, rage to get us. 76, 76, 76. Oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, right. right, maintain the rage and keep them yeah. accountable. And I appreciate They're... Sarah doing this so much. Absolutely. So Crime Scene is the True Crime Review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can subscribe to our feed at robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. Follow Mari at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two, like the number two. And follow Crime Scene at Crime Scene R-H-A-P. That's S-E-E-N. Thanks to John. Thanks to Will from America for the theme music, Tricky Rice for the graphics, and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. And until next time, keep the bastards honest.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.